Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I've got a fascinating hour planned for you. Joe Dallas is going to join me. He is a author and a speaker and a podcaster. He kind of does it all. He's written a book called Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. That certainly seems like that is the world we're living in today, and we need to be equipped and ready to go, and Joe's going to help us. Joe, welcome. Hey, Bill. Good talking with you again. Yeah, nice to have you on, and I'm always uh, concerned for all believers that are out in a very hostile world and everyone's trying to cancel them and people are stepping on eggshells all the time, afraid of saying things, afraid of standing up for God's truth sometimes. And that's not good, is it? No, there's nothing good about that. Although on the one hand, Bill, we know the church has always had pushback because Jesus told his disciples before he was taken away, hey, you know, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. It's going to happen. Um, but in uh, our country in particular, I think we've had it easier than so many uh, Christians historically have because we've lived, thank God, in a country largely influenced by Judeo-Christian beliefs. Mm -hmm. So we've had a friendlier relationship, I got to say, uh, with our culture than we've been accustomed to. And I think what's what's alarming uh, over the last I well, last few decades, certainly, but I'd say even in the last couple of years more openly, is the overt hostility towards Christianity. So bottom line, uh, we're we're playing defense, Bill. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah. we're not just um exp you know, proclaiming our faith. We're having to defend it now. We're making our apologia because we're on the witness stand getting cross examined. Mm -hmm. Joe, if somebody uh, just tells you just to shut up, what are you gonna do about it? Well, <laughs> that I am not going to do, because I tell you, <laughs> you, you take away speaking yep. from Christianity and you don't you don't have much. I mean, uh, there's no commission without communication. Right. Right. Uh, the, mo most of what we do by way of ministry, whether it's evangelizing, preaching the gospel or teaching the saints, giving the full counsel of God, you name it. It's, it's about communicating that we can't do. But what we can do is first of all, examine ourselves. Is what I'm saying true? If I'm out there talking about abortion or racism or homosexuality, whatever, is what I'm saying accurate? You know, am I not resorting to stereotypes or name calling or needless generalities? If I'm talking about homosexuality, it's one thing to say that falls short of God's will. It's another thing to say all gay men have had a thousand sex partners. True. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I got to look at, is, is what I'm saying true? Is it biblical? Uh, I got to, you know, as, as an ambassador for Christ, I better be representing him. How do Absolutely. I represent him? Yep. I got to know the word. Thy word is truth. So, yeah, hey, yeah, I got to yeah. sure. Yeah. And uh, it need to be compassionate. So those are the ABCs, accurate, biblical, compassionate. If I'm doing that, no, I'm not going to shut up. I need to speak. Say that again. Accurate, the, biblical? Accurate, biblical, compassionate. Compassionate. ABC. Yes. Yeah. Because it yeah. seems that Christians often get tagged as being uh, overly self-righteous. Oh, you're you know, you're you're apparently calling me a sinner and that you're so self-righteous. Yeah. Well, 
we got to be careful uh, to avoid two extremes, Bill. One extreme is just getting defensive. Oh, well, if you say that, that's just because what I'm saying makes you feel guilty, you sinner, you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's One is not to examine ourselves because, hey, uh, okay, why, you know, first to say I got no stones to throw. I have been a pompous jerk sometimes. I, I look at, you know, I've been a Christian now for uh, 52 years. And in my early days, especially when I was saved as a teenager, man, I was unbearable. I mean, I just shut my mouth off. I didn't mean to hurt anybody, but I was self-righteous. I was insensitive. I was clumsy. I was aggressive. And, you know, you can do that. So uh, we got to avoid the extreme on the one hand of saying, well, if I'm being criticized, I'm being persecuted by ungodly people. Well, plenty of times that's true, but don't be so quick to wave the persecution flag if you haven't examined yourself first. Are you being a jerk or are you being a good preacher? Mm-hmm. The other extreme, though, and I think, Bill, this is one that more and more Christians are falling for. It's the error of thinking that if the world is saying something about us, it must be true. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, it's never been true just because the world said it. The world said that Jesus was a blasphemer. I mean, the world said that Paul was a seditious troublemaker. Right. Um, the the culture likes to discount, especially cancel culture, since we're talking about that. The cancel culture loves to paint the church in the worst light possible, to show us in the worst light possible. So by misrepresenting us, it can discredit us and it can dismiss what we're saying. So let's not assume that if just because somebody says I'm self-righteous or hateful, that that means I'm self-righteous or hateful, because you're going to be called, if you stand for truth, it's like going in, and again into a courtroom. I mean, the, the, advers- the, the attorney for your adversary in the courtroom is going to do everything he can to discredit you. He'll first try to discredit what you say. But if he can't discredit what you say, he can't impeach you because you're telling the truth. The next best thing he can do is discredit your character. So he'll try to paint you as a jerk if he can't paint you as a guy committing perjury. Mm -hmm. And that's what basically the world is trying to do us. It's trying to discredit the witness. And we have to be sure we don't fall for it. And, um, you know, let's not believe our own bad press. Let's examine ourselves and then move ahead. Mm -hmm. Joe Dallas is my guest. You can check out his podcast, uh, Christian in a Cancel Culture. It's on uh, Apple and Spotify and everywhere else you can get uh, podcasts. Joe, when we uh, speak biblical truth, can we do that without being offensive? Uh, my short answer is no, only because, well, I'd have to say we can't do it without being seen as offensive. There you go. I, I think that's what I was looking for. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, Bill, I mean, you're, you're a gentleman. When you speak biblical truth, I'm going to assume that you speak to people generally the way I've heard you speak to me on your show. You're clear. You're calm. You got it right. So, uh then again, I'm not married to you. What do I know? But I, I think that, you know, basically yeah. your your tone is probably a reasonable tone. Well, yeah, you have to be calm and, and try yeah. to be truthful. So, yeah. So here's the deal. You're not being offensive if you are that. But if I don't like what you're saying and you've kind of pricked my conscience yep. or you've got me thinking about things I don't want to think about, I'm going to feel discomfort. 
Now, what am I going to do with that, that discomfort? If I have integrity, I'm going to look at it and say, is Bill Arnold right? If I don't have integrity, I'm going to say, well, to heck with Bill Arnold. He's offensive. And so I'm going to take it out on you. Yeah. Hey, why, that's what I think a lot yeah, of people. Why, I'm a, my, my producer is going to need to, to edit that out of the, the broadcast. That is Bill Arnold offensive. <laughs> 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 yeah, that can't be on the podcast. Okay. Uh, let's go back uh, to a passage in Ezekiel, Joe Dallas. And this is in Ezekiel 44. It talks about that my people... Uh, shall teach the difference between holy and the unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. In the in controversy, they shall stand as judges and judge it according to my judgment. So in other words, God expected those who were leading his people to make the distinction between right and wrong, normal and abnormal, clean and unclean. This is out of your that's, book, by the way. Yeah, well, that uh, that's about as plain as I think we can see it. Uh, look, what's the nature of God, Bill? One of the first things we see him do creatively, he makes a distinction between light and darkness. Yep. We're his sons. We're his daughters. We have his nature. We are also called to distinguish between what's light or dark or good or evil. Now, that doesn't mean we are the morality police. But yes, we are still expressing truth both in the church and in the public arena. Uh, people may reject it, and that is their prerogative because God has given them free will. But we still have a commission to speak. Uh, well, we speak evangel evangelically to the unsaved, and we we want them to know the need to be born again. We speak within the church. We make disciples, so we teach biblical truth to believers. But we also speak prophetically to the culture in saying, you know, um, there is a better way than the way you are taking. It's sort of like, uh, you know, Proverbs, wisdom is is really making a big noise in the street saying, how long are, are you going to keep up with this craziness? So there's, there is a place for that, too. Mm -hmm. You know, there is. So I think in all of those cases, evangelizing or speaking to the culture prophetically or discipling Christians, we make distinctions between what's true and false, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And Joe, what we want to do more than anything is lead people to Christ. We want to say, uh, God loves you, and and you have a chance right now in the conversation if the Holy Spirit's op opening up your heart to to change and to receive Him as your to believe Him, to believe in Him, put your faith in Him. Yeah, you know, in my book uh, that you mentioned earlier, Christians in a Cancel Culture, I tried to point out that, you know, even though the book was written to equip believers to talk about critical race theory and abortion and progressive Christianity, all that, you always want to turn the conversation back to the cross if you're talking to non-believers, because that's the number one issue. I'm not as interested in winning an argument as I am in winning a soul. So mm, me too. if somebody's saying, why do you believe what you believe about transgenderism? I want to find my way to go, well, I believe that there is a creator. And he meant us to know him, and he created us with intentions, and trying to change the sex he assigned us was just one of of many ways we all fall short of those intentions. That's why we need a savior. Let's talk about that. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. You always want to keep the, the main thing the main thing. Yeah, but we're living in a feelings culture, though, Joe, and oh, people yeah. feel a certain way, and that is, that's at the top of the list of, of what dictates well, don't don't edit me out now on this one, but uh, one of the few times I'll quote Doctor Phil. Okay, I do kind of like I do kind of like his saying. How's that working out for you? Because yeah, I get it. You look at this. You got to ask. Well, where has that taken us, Bill? This whole emphasis on feelings. Yeah, 
people getting stronger or weaker, more dependent or independent? Are they forever being tyrannized by what they feel and then turning around and making tyrannical demands on other people? Well, don't trigger me. Don't make me feel bad. I don't like the way this feels. I have to stay home from work. I can't go to school. I can't whatever. We're raising a generation of people that are going to be living <clears throat> on the welfare state if if we're not uh, if we don't balance this out because if you try to let your life be guided by your feelings, you're set up for chaos and uh, you're, you're basically going to make yourself into a loser. Oh boy, there you go. All right, Joe, let's talk a little bit more about the the heat that Christians feel, you know, from cancel culture. Some may, some may not, but. Uh, you, you've got a couple of options: either the wrath of man or the fear, or the fear of man. So mm-hmm. we yeah. have to answer to God or to to man. And I assume that we're all going to answer to God. Well, we will. Uh, we will ultimately. The idea is to be sure we do it. Um, a lot of our listeners have probably already felt a little of this, and a lot of our listeners will feel it. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, are going to sit down with non-believers. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, non-believing family members, friends, whatever, in-laws. And, um, uh, you know, subjects are going to come up. Politics will come up. Social issues will come up. And people are going to say, well, what say you? <laughs> and uh, you're going to feel on the spot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so for that reason, you know, we want to be judicious because those are good opportunities. But But yes, in answer to your question, we will feel the heat, and that's when we have to decide, okay, now seriously, I know I would rather make everybody happy. I don't think that in itself is a problem. But if you let that be your guiding motive, now it's a problem. Would I rather make everybody happy? You betcha. Sure, why not? But if that's my main goal, I'm going to be forever just saying whatever people want me to say. And that's when I have to remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. Mm, so the good. main thing about the ambassador, okay? He needs to show up. He should take a shower first. He should look good. He should dress nicely. He should have a smile. He should be gracious. He should even be charming. Know how to make small talk, all of that. But the main thing is the message. What does he come to say? What are his goals? And that's when I have to remember my goal, ultimately, as an ambassador for Christ, is to represent him truthfully and graciously, both. That determines whether or not I did well. Now, did somebody get mad at me because they said, where do you stand on same-sex marriage? And I said, well, I don't believe that meets the definition of marriage. And let me tell you why. Now, somebody might get very mad, offended, whatever. I'll feel the heat. I won't like that. But I will go home with peace of mind because I'll know, hey, I represented Christ and his truth as clearly and as graciously as I could. Mm-hmm. That's cool. All right, Joe Dallas, let me take a little break. Uh, His book is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. He also has a podcast uh, by the very same name, Christians in a Cancel Culture. It's available on Spotify or Apple. So we're going to take a break. If you have a question for Joe, because maybe you've been in a situation where the heat is on and you've been asked a question and you've been put in a situation where... You're wondering, if I answer this a certain way, I'm going to get canceled, even by my family and close friends. What do I do? How do I go about it? How can I do it better? If you have a question for Joe, let me know. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. 
Hello, Cheerful Givers. It is always amazing that you live so intentionally and give so sacrificially and are so generous in all that you do, whether it's financial gifts or it's your time and talents and resources God has given you. You are making an incredible difference for the kingdom. And kingdom advances through prayer and giving. And we don't want to have the year end without inviting you to uh, make that end-of-the-year tax deductible gift to help support Faith Radio. Your gift right now will keeps us spreading the good news in front of a lot of people. So thank you for giving by clicking the link in the show notes or giving at myfaithradio.com. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I'm back with Joe Dallas. His book is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. All right, Joe, uh, why the hostility? I, I sort of feel like I have a pretty good idea, but I'd like to hear from you. There's probably more than one reason. I think if we wanted to give a short general answer, it's because whenever truth collides with error, there's going to be tension. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it's like John said in his gospel. The condemnation is light came into the darkness. The darkness did not want it. Men hated the light. They chose the darkness. Not all men do, but plenty do. That's one. I think some people uh, really are deceived into thinking that the Christian message is dangerous. Not necessarily the Christian message on salvation, but the Christian uh, message on humanity what God intended for us by way of marriage, family, the unborn, social justice, how to live. Um, There are people who've been indoctrinated or deceived into thinking that those teachings are dangerous. And so they're hostile to us because they think that we believe things that do damage. Then there are people whose own consciences are pricked by what we say. So um, if someone didn't feel good about having an abortion, if someone didn't quite feel good about embracing homosexuality, but they've defaulted to it anyway, they don't want to hear somebody tell them what their conscience is already saying and what they're trying to ignore. That can be a reason for hostility. Another is what I would call um, inconvenience. You know, the the faith is inconvenient. Uh, Jesus was inconvenient to the scribes and the Pharisees because what he taught and stood for disrupted their system. Mm -hmm. The church, if we're functioning as we should, we are, among other things, a nightmare to people who say favor big government or uh, government overreach because part of what always happens when you've got a robust Christian church is there will be a high emphasis on things like... um, the work ethic, hard work, individualism, um, you know, fidelity first and foremost to God, even over the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those things are inconvenient. The exclusivity of Christ is inconvenient to people who want to promote um, a sort of a monolithic view of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and Universalism. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, those are all, I guess, tributaries to that big river of, of hostility. Uh, that we see. And, um, you know, like I said, I think it varies from person to person, but those are the reasons I most commonly see. Mm -hmm. Joe Dallas is my guest. Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World is the name of this book that we're discussing. He's written others. 
But one of the big topics that is going to be coming up uh, more and more in discussion, Joe, is abortion. And Christians know exactly where they stand on it, although there are plenty of people that claim to uh, not only hold a Christian faith, but are pro-choice. So the conversation has gotten a lot um, more emotional. So walk us through that, if you would. Well, things have changed. Um, you know, this is one of the areas where science is especially on the side of people who hold a biblical worldview on social issues. Uh, it's a lot harder with the technology we have today to tell yourself that what you're seeing on that sonogram is anything but a living human being. And uh, I, I know myself, I say this to my shame, Bill, but when I was a young Christian, I knew nothing about abortion. I pretty much considered it uh, a form of birth control. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you a story you might find interesting. I was backslidden for years and was part of the gay community. I was on staff with a pro-gay church. And during those backslidden years, when I embraced homosexuality and all of my friends were socially liberal and feminist and pro-gay, and yet, one of my good friends was a lesbian nurse, and this subject came up, and she said, oh, I will never scrub for an abortion. I've done it once, and what I looked at was a trash can full of dead babies, mm. and I'll never do Ouch. that again. And she she was coming from a very feminist, liberal perspective, but she couldn't deny what she saw. And that's when I started thinking, wait a minute, if that's a life in there, then this isn't about choice. This is about murder. So I think we have to ask. Now, we got to be, again, you, you look at the compassionate end of this. Uh, a woman's in a crisis pregnancy, say she and her husband are impoverished, or she has been raped, or she's um, uh, just in, in, in a very fragile emotional place. We can and should sympathize with her. We want to support her. We want to help her. Uh, and we want to walk with her both before and after her baby is born. We want to be there for her in practical and emotional ways. But the hard question we have to ask is, is it fair to sacrifice a life for the sake of more comfort on your own? And, uh, of course, no reasonable person would say that it is. Besides all of which, I have to say, as I tried to point out in my book, a very high number of, of women who have abortions are not doing it because they are impoverished or they've been raped or the child is the result of incest or some terrible thing. It is more uh, is very frequently it's about convenience, not about hardship. So it is, uh, I think, kind of a red herring that gets thrown out when people say, well, what about the poor woman? who's the victim of incest and is now, you know, carrying a child she doesn't want. Hey, she is a poor I Our heart goes out to her. But uh, the question is, should the child she's carrying be murdered for a crime it did not commit? No, it should not. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's hot. That's, that is, I agree, Joe, And but everything you've said is, um, is true and compassionate. It's, it's, uh, it's hard, but I, uh, I, I always stand in the, in the, in the gap where, that baby does not deserve to have his or her life ended. See, that's the point. And I think it's a false equivalent, uh, Bill, to say, oh, well, you either have to choose for the baby or the mother, as if if you want the mother to carry the baby, you obviously don't care about the mother. That's nonsense. Of course we care about the mother. But we do not believe one life should be ended for the sake of the convenience or comfort of another life. That's the point. Mm-hmm. When you have uh, conversations with people that 
say, well, I'm a believer, but I really think a woman should be able to choose. It's her body. Um, where do you go with that conversation? Well, it is her body. She has every right to choose what she does with her own body, provided she does not harm another person. Mm-hmm. So if I'm at the airport, a woman sitting next to me, that's her body. She has the right to do what she wants with it unless she wants to hit me. Her mm-hmm. rights stopped right there because I'm a separate body from her. Mm-hmm. Child within her is separate from her. It is dependent on her, but it is separate from her. Mm-hmm. Therefore, her right to do what she wants with her own body ends when she wants to terminate the life of the person that's inside of her, because that is not her body. That is a separate body. Mm-hmm. That's the Joe Dallas is my guest. Uh, his book is called Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. If you have a, a question or you have... Uh, an episode in your life where you were canceled and you want to explain to me in a couple of sentences, if you can, what happened, Joe, and I would love to hear from you. The number is 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. I think we'll take a little break right now and uh, we'll be back with Joe Dallas in just a minute. Again, the number is 877-933-2484. Just join me. Thanks for doing it. I hope you had a good day. My guest is Joe Dallas. He's written a book called Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. And it really, the book discusses the plight of, of believers in a very increasingly secular and hostile world. And if you uh, are living in the world, you know very well that there's a lot of hostility towards Christians and they're looking to get you in that gotcha moment and try to cancel you as quickly as they can. They want to put you in categories. I think that's what uh, Joe probably is the easiest thing for people to do is just put people in categories and go up. You're one of those guys. Well, it's an easy way to discount what somebody is saying. I have to be careful not to do that myself. I look at people who have different viewpoints than I do. And I say, Oh, you're one of those. Well then whatever you say is, you know, no, that's not true. There are plenty of people who hold the wrong view that can still be right about some issues. But, yeah, I find that um, I'd have to say that people frequently do that to Christians. And I think that's because probably Christians, because we are commissioned to speak truth. And truth is the word of God. Uh, The word of God does bear fruit. But like Jesus said, you know, he also brings a sword, not just peace. Mm hmm. So where you have Christianity, it's not that we're looking for a fight, you know, 
But where you have Christianity, you're going to have contention because people are going to contend with you over the truth. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Question that came in, uh, can, a, can, a, can you be a Christian and disagree with something the Bible says? You can, because you can be a Christian and be wrong. <laughs> if you are a Christian who disagrees with something that the Bible says, right. I would have to say, now let's revisit your concept of what the Bible is. The fact that you would say you disagree with it tells me that you probably hold a less than authoritative view of the Bible. You may see it as largely inspired, but not entirely inspired, and therefore you will you will disagree with it. My argument would be, um, I could not believe in partial inspiration of the Scripture. Yeah. For heaven's sake, Bill, I really think William Shakespeare was inspired. Mm. I do. I think he was inspired by God. Um, I, you know, I, I think for that matter, my wife and I like to watch old movies on Turner Classic Movies. I would say some of these screenwriters were inspired by God. But I'm not going to take my life guidance from them. Right. So if if you can pick and choose when you're reading the Bible, you probably have a viewpoint of the Bible as being less than authoritative on its own. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired of God. And um, I, I could not, like I say, approach any part of the Bible and say, I disagree with it. Now, full disclosure, there are parts of the Bible I don't like. It doesn't mean I don't believe them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just depending on what mood I'm in, you know, when I'm told to be gentle to all men and, and patient and so forth, I want to say, oh, come on, give me a break. No, <laughs> you know, and there, one, there are parts of the Bible I just don't like. I hate the doctrine of hell. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't believe it. I know it's true. Mm-hmm. And I know that God is just. I get it. But the very idea to me is horrible. Uh, and yet, what am I supposed to do with that, Bill? I don't like it, so I throw it out. Nobody spoke more graphically about hell than Jesus. Right. Nobody. So I have to take seriously that doctrine, which I do not like, but I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I understand that very well, Joe. That's something that when at the great white throne judgment where the separate, the lost whose names are not written in the book of life gets cast into the, the lake of fire for all of eternity. That's that's tough news. I hate to even think about that, but yeah. it's true. Yeah. And I think that should, like Paul said, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about how we discussed uh, sin and salvation in this uh, cancel culture, oh, hostile world that we're living in right now. Yeah, I find we're better at talking about salvation than about sin. Yeah, salvation. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus came to save us. That's lovely. But it makes no sense unless you preface it by saying, let's talk about sin. Otherwise, what's the end? Why get into the lifeboat if you haven't hit the iceberg? Mm-hmm. You couldn't talk people on the Titanic into getting into a lifeboat without first telling them there's a problem. Right. And the problem is life-threatening. So much so that you have to go out into the cold night air and you have to put on a life jacket and you have to get into a very uncomfortable, crowded little lifeboat because if you don't, you're going to die uh, but die a terrible death, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the idea of sin, though, we, we, we talk about sin, and I think that, well, let me let me correct myself. I don't think we talk about sin much, and we should. I think the problem is it's a loaded word. If I go out to a dinner party and I say, well, such and such is a sin, oh, here's Preacher Joe, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, I like to qualify the word, or not qualify, but but to clarify it. That, you know, well, before I use the word sin, I talk about falling short. And I say that, you know, I think we have a creator, and there's just so many ways we fall short. You can't look at the human condition without knowing that. I mean, we're, we, we beat each other up, we kill each other. Where we're, you know, many of us are racist and selfish and sexist and cruel and you name it. So obviously something's wrong with the human condition. And uh, because we're falling short, that's what the Bible defines as sin. Not Ooh, that it's like, like that. it's wrong or nasty, but, you know, you wanted to get to Catalina, but because of sin, you're headed off to Fiji. Mm-hmm. You're missing that you're going in the wrong direction. And then, then you sort of neutralized it, so it's not just like, oh, well, you're you're taking a holier than thou Puritan thing. No, I'm just saying that the human race is very flawed, very imperfect, and even the best of us can't be as perfect as God. If God is perfect, and the only way to approach Him is with perfect holiness, we're all sunk. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, I guess now the cross makes more sense. And by the way, now is a good time to talk about it because I often say, Jesus, the baby Jesus was a baby on death row. He was born to die. And even he said, Father, what should I say? Save myself, save me from this hour, but for this cause I came into the world. So that's where it's like, okay, this is not just a lot of sweet romantic stuff. The only way we stand a chance is if we by faith acknowledge that a perfect sacrifice for our sins had been made and we embrace that. And uh, when we do that, then and only then do we really come to life. Like Jesus said, you have to be born again. You got to be born physically to be born again. But then you have to be born of spirit. The spirit is dead. You receive Christ. Your spirit has been made alive. Now you're right with God. See, so it gets back to the gospel. But that's why I say, how do you talk about the gospel without talking about sin? What I'm afraid we're doing in, in many churches today, Bill, is we're basically talking about Christianity as though it's an improved way to live. Mm-hmm. It's a nicer way to live. It's a healthier way to live. It's a better way to live. Now, it is all of that, but there's no urgency in that. You know, the 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 women and men who've been martyred over the centuries would laugh at the idea that they died just for the sake of helping people become their better selves. This is about (laughs) life and death. Mm -hmm. This is why we can't ignore that horrible thing you described earlier. There's going to come a point when there won't be any choosing anymore, Mm -hmm. and everyone is going to be called before the great white throne judgment, and if their name is not written in the book, they cannot change their mind. Right. The ultimate nightmare of a lot of people who get arrested is, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll cooperate. I won't do anything wrong now. And officers will always say, we're past that. Mm-hmm. God is going to say, we're past that. Now is not the time to say, I receive you. It's too late. I'm not, I am not here now as your savior. I am here as your judge. You're guilty. You're talking now, about that's, a just that's God horrible. right now. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's horrible. So we got to keep that in mind and think, do I really want to avoid talking about sin just because I don't want anybody to get mad at me? And so I am going to up their chances of showing up unprepared before the great white throne. Come on. No, I'm Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. But that's why we have to both talk about sin. And as believers, we do have to think about judgment. It's a reality. And if we care about people, it's not what we want for them. Yeah, so true. Joe Dallas is my guest. His book is Christians in a Cancel Culture. He also has a podcast by the very same name, Christians in a Cancel Culture, if you're searching for a podcast. 
Joe, a question came in is how to how to help brothers and sisters in my church who want to cancel other Christians, especially when they hear words that they don't tolerate. What, what would you um, say about uh, that? Well, now that's a good time to talk about justice. Is <laughs> it fair to try to tell people what they may or may not say? Let's start with that. It's just, you know, we could have that discussion with non-believers or believers. Is True. it fair? to tell people what they may or may not say. Then I would ask, what is it specifically that they're saying that you want to cancel? And where did you get the idea that what they're saying is harmful? Because wherever you have cancel culture um, supporters, you have people who believe that certain words are harmful to people. Now, this gets back to the feeling emphasis. And this is why I was saying um, maybe a little sarcastically that we're raising a generation of weak people. But, Bill, a lot of people have mistaken discomfort for damage. What do you, what do you mean about people, that? What do you mean by okay, that? Okay, there, there is a popular myth going around that if you say something and when people hear it, someone becomes uncomfortable, therefore you've damaged them. Well, now, wait a minute. There is no way to live in a free world without hearing things that will cause you some discomfort because mm -hmm. we feel discomfort any time we feel disagreed with or disapproved of, even if we are convinced that we're right. I'll cap cop to that right now. I, you know, I'm flying on a plane and I sit next to someone who is openly Jehovah's witness and they start talking about it and they believe that I'm wrong as a Christian. I'm not feeling like, uh oh, I have all sorts of self-doubts. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't feel that at all. But there is a natural social discomfort when you know that someone disagrees with you or disapproves of you. That's life. But that alone does not mean that the person should not be able to speak. That's the problem. And I think that now, how many people are saying, oh, I'm triggered by that. Oh, I don't feel safe when I hear that. Oh, I'm threatened by that. As if anything you say which generates discomfort in me is your fault. Mm -hmm. The fact is, I can grant that um, it, it's uncomfortable to hear things that you don't agree with, but that is not damaging to you. And this is where I would say to the Christian who wants to cancel another Christian, hey, why don't you learn to talk, listen, and engage in dialogue rather than try to silence someone. Because if you start trying to silence someone, the logical question is, who is going to get to do that? Who gets the power to do that? If we start giving people the power to silence other people, it doesn't stop. That's a leaven that knows no limit. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what tyranny is made of. That's what, um, uh, you know, tyrannical cultures, dictatorships are made of. That's the George Orwellian nightmare of 1984. And Joe, when somebody disagrees with you, isn't that just fodder for conversation and, and a way to get into a deeper understanding of what a person understands to be their, their position? Isn't that just what we if would we call let it be. civilized conversation or is if we can dream. let it be, yeah. you know, when I was working on my master's, I was uh, waiting tables. <laughs> it was a good, good job when you're in school. But I was also engaged by then. It was about I was about nineteen eighty six. I was engaged. I'm working at a restaurant, and um, in school full time. And um, the subject of marriage comes up, and and I mentioned that I'm engaged to be married. And one of the waitresses in front of everybody says, "Oh, that's so stupid, Joe." 
Why would you do that? Marriage only is a ring. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's kind of nonsense. Well, I didn't like that. She mm-hmm. was insulting one of the most important parts of my life, but it was a good opportunity. I said, well, I, I, let, me, let me explain to you why I think that we're called to do more than just have sex and then walk away when we feel like it. I believe that we were created for permanent union because there's safety in that and there's health in that and the people are people do better psychologically when they stay together for better or worse as God intended and that brings the discussion back to God. See, that's an opportunity. Mm. If I had just gotten all huffy and well, you've insulted me, shut up. Ah, then we we couldn't have had a conversation that was engaging, you know. So again, let's get back to what we're here for. Are are we gonna be like people in cancel culture and just say, Oh, you said something I don't like, I'm going to, you know, you're just a heathen, so I'm not going to waste my time on you. No. Now, there's a place for walking away. Sure, somebody starts attacking you or, you know, just just wanting to get into a shouting match with you. I ain't got time for that kind of childishness. But mm-hmm. somebody really is disagreeing. Um, I say, well, let's let's go there. Let's talk about it. What have I got to lose? Yeah, that's great. And you stayed calm and... You gave a really great answer, so way to go. That was uh, uh, that was a very that, interesting That time I got it right. We don't have time for me to tell you all the times <laughs> I've gotten it wrong, but I'll, I'll give myself a few gold stars for I, that one. I get it. Joe Dallas is my guest. His book is Christians in a Cancel Culture, Speaking with Truth and Grace in a Hostile World. If you've got a question or comment for Joe, let me hear it. 877-933-2484. That's a text line. So uh, 877-933-2484. You can also check out Joe's podcast. It's also called Christians in a Cancel Culture. We'll be right back. How about make a wonderful commitment to yourself this year by reading through the Bible, maybe not even once, but maybe twice, Say things to yourself like, I am going to create a new habit that maybe I have not had in years, and I'm going to commit to it, and I'm going to stick with it. You've always said you wanted to, so how about make it this year where you do it, spending more time in God's Word, and you can do it, and we can help. So all you have to do is get your Bible in a year plan right now, and you can do that right over at myfaithradio.com. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I like talking to Joe Dallas. Christians in a cancel culture speaking with truth and grace in a hostile world. Joe, I appreciate the work you do equipping us, giving us uh, not only this book to uh, uh, help equip us, but you're also encouraging us just to stay strong and to stay calm. You know, I'm glad you use those two words, uh, Bill, because they're both so critical. Let's stay strong. I mean, we cannot be so easily shaken, um, but we've got to stay calm as well. But, you know, we are human. Good night. I, you and I don't become any less human just because we're speaking truth and representing Christ and, you know, um, wanting to wanting to be good stewards. Um we do feel the tension. We do feel the hurt when somebody either rejects us or hates us. We feel the pain if somebody is like, oh, man, I'm so sad by what you've said. I hate what you said. I'm going to walk away crying. Not because we wanted to hurt them. Not at all. But it happens. And and so we can't pretend, you know, we're, we are apologists, but we're still emotional apologists. We've got souls. And that tells me that, you know, that's kind of a way of entering into Christ's 
both his the, the the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings because he has felt that you know i think of him weeping over jerusalem you you've rejected truth you've rejected me and it matters to me but that doesn't change the truth mm-hmm. joe how do we do better in discussing the uh, transgender movement i picked up a, uh, a sandwich today for lunch and in this uh pr- this guy who waited on me was clearly a, a young man and didn't even pretend to not have a body that didn't represent maleness. And yet he had makeup on um, with lipstick and everything. And I thought it almost looked like a high school prank, like somebody put him up, you know, I dare you to wear makeup at work today. And that's kind of almost how it came across. But obviously there was something way deeper than that. And, and when believers are discussing the the transgender movement and engage with like who I engaged engaged with today, coach us as to how we can uh, be wiser and smarter and loving and godly. Yeah, let's start by asking for the right heart, then looking for the right words. I like it. Yeah. Now I'll tell you, uh, my wife and I just took a trip to the Grand Canyon a few weeks ago. We got on a train to go to the canyon, and one of the people working on the train in full uniform as a conductor not a conductor, but a, an assistant to the conductor, was was actually a woman dressed like a man, ob, you know, bald head, whole nine yards, mm-hmm. but obviously a woman. And the very nice, spoke with us very politely. We laughed together. And, you know, now she walked away and my wife grabbed my hand, pulled me towards the tracks before we got on the train and said, we have to pray right now. Wow. That I want to cry. That's sweet. I love that girl. That girl doesn't know that God made her a girl. She's trying to reject what he gave her. I just, oh, why can't she see what a gift she is and what a gift he's given her? And let's, you know, and I thought, well, now I know why I love this woman. <laughs> she, that's the right heart, okay? Mm-hmm. To a lot of us, it's so offensive, the idea of you're going to try not to be what you are. It looks ridiculous. I think in most cases it does, actually. And it's it's unnatural and it's destructive. There's nothing good I can say about it. In fact, I think it's a form of usurping divine authority because you're basically saying God got it wrong. I'll mm-hmm. help him out here. That said, I think we also need to look for the right words because in truth, we can't, Bill, align ourselves with lies. If someone is trying to be what they're not, they're embracing a lie. Now, if they wish to do that, they have the right to do it, but I can't be coerced into joining them in that. I would want to discuss with them why they think they are in the wrong body and why they think that by um, co- basically cosmetically reconfiguring their body that can actually make them into something else because there was a time we were more intelligent about this if somebody felt they were in the wrong body we knew that the problem was the feelings not the body mm-hmm. so i would want to ask why can't we do something about your feeling that you're in the wrong body rather than your body itself because you can definitely change it you can make it look like You are a woman if you are, in fact, a man, but you are a man. And it, to my feeling, is a very severe form of trick-or-treating. I can go out and make myself look like Casper the Ghost, but I'm not. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, on top of that, we do have to to look a little, uh, you know, cynically at what's happening today, especially with young people, Bill. There's no way all of the young people who are claiming to be transgender are really transgender. Give them a few years and a high percentage of them are going to outgrow this. It's very faddish now. It's very trendy. In fact, 
I have started calling it transgender because I believe in many cases that's what it is. Because now, if you do say, I'm transgender, there is something cool about that. There's status, there's victimhood, there's sympathy. Um, and boy, when I was a teenager, I would have taken a lot of that. You know, I don't think I would have tried to be a girl to do it, but I understand why people do. Yeah. So there is the genuine problem where someone in the depths of their soul really feels like, hey, I know I was born male, but I feel like a woman, which is a very serious disorder. Our heart should go out to somebody like that, but we can't tell them, oh, OK, well, then try to be what you're not. But we also have to be, you know, like wise as serpents in us as, as doves and, and, and say, well, now, wait a minute. Are you sure that that's what you really are? Or is this faddish? Or maybe, you know, in some cases, some girls these days are actually being told, oh, you like you like to play soccer. You're not a Barbie little girl. You're not a Barbie doll. You're not prissy. You're more athletic. You're competitive. Oh, well, you're trans. Baloney. Yeah. She's, she's a, an athletic, strong little girl. Leave her alone. She's still a girl. And and we don't we have to encourage people the fact that you may not conform to a cultural stereotype of male or female doesn't mean that you are not male or female. There's plenty of room for a variety in, in, within that that spectrum. Um, but that doesn't mean you are the sex that you are not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely kids on the margins in school. And if they call themselves non-binary or transgender, all of a sudden now they've got a special status. But see, that's the point, Bill. And again, are, uh, as adolescents, are we not hungry for that? Totally. We want to hang out yeah. with the cool kids. We want to wear our hair a certain way. We want to have the right clothes. We want to listen to the right music. Status matters. Yeah. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it is. So that's when young people are especially susceptible to that. And what, what is tragic to me is, in generations past, if you wanted status, you you wore the right loafers or you got the right <laughs> haircut or you mm -hmm. went to the right parties. That's not going to mark you for life. Right. That's Kids true. Today are making life altering permanent decisions. Yeah. That high percentage of them are going to regret. And then what are we going to have? We're going to have a plan. There's going to be the devil to pay. There yeah. really is. So, Joe, thank you so much for doing the show. It's always a delight having you on. I learn yeah, a lot every a time pleasure. you come on. I thank you for that, Bill. Anytime. Thanks right. for having me. You bet. Joe Dallas has been my guest, Christians at a Cancel Culture, speaking with truth and grace in a hostile world. He also has a podcast by the very same name, Christians in a Cancel Culture. That's our show for the day. Have a great night, and God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.